Northern Colorado students. Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for November 5th Saturday reading of the Arapahoe County News. My name is Pablo. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. New Aurora Ice Cream Shop Serves Up Opportunity for People with Disabilities by Karina Julig. Police, 16-year-old gunfire suspect shot himself dead after hours-long apartment standoff by the Sentinel. Aurora becomes a site of intensive effort to pull opioid addicts back from the edge by Karina Julig. Portland, Aurora, and other cities push to control camping amid growing homeless crisis by Claire Rush and following up with miscellaneous articles. New Aurora Ice Cream Shop Serves Up Opportunity for People with Disabilities by Karina Julig, Sentinel Staff Writer, November 4, 2022. In January, Troy Knuckles was at a crossroads. A longtime member of the telecommunications industry, Knuckles was burned out on corporate America and looking to do something different with his life. His youngest son had just graduated from college, and he felt like he had fulfilled the most important professional and personal obligations of his life. Quote, I felt it was time to do what God wanted me to do with the rest of my life, unquote, he told the Sentinel. But he wasn't quite sure what that was yet. One night, he sat down in front of the TV and an ABC News story was airing about Howdy Homemade Ice Cream, an ice cream store franchise that hires people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Quote, and I said, that's it, unquote, Knuckles recalled. He applied for and received the franchise rights for Colorado, beating out many other applicants who had also applied after seeing the program. About seven months later, the store held its grand opening and has been serving customers for the past three weeks out of a storefront on Parker Road. The Dallas-based company has seven other locations, primarily in Texas. This is the first Colorado store but Knuckles, who owns the franchise for the greater Denver and Colorado Springs metro areas says he hopes to open more soon and is exploring launching a location in Colorado Springs sometime next year. He's also received a contract with the U.S. Air Force Academy to sell ice cream during sporting events. Howdy sells ice cream, milkshakes, and candy along with merch like t-shirts. The store orders a base from a dairy and the ice cream is made on site along with the waffle cones. The store has 16 flavors of ice cream. Eight are permanent and standard at all Howdy locations. The others are decided locally and served on a rotating basis. Currently, the Aurora location is offering up a pumpkin spice latte flavor for those wanting to get in the fall spirit. Though Knuckles touted the quality of Howdy's ice cream, he said the main goal of the business is to provide jobs to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, IDDs. 
Knuckles' son, Kale Knuckles, is the store's general manager and works day-to-day -day with the store's employees who are primarily people with Down's syndrome or who are on the autism spectrum. Quote, they're amazing, unquote, he said of the store's employees who are referred to as, quote, heroes, unquote, in the company's nomenclature. Quote, they love to work, love their job, and they brighten my day every day, unquote. Ben Kim applied to work at Howdy after his mom saw something about the store online. After coming in for an interview, he was hired on the spot and started working on opening day. Quote, I'm loving it so far, unquote, he said of working at Howdy. He told the Sentinel his favorite parts of the job are making milkshakes and interacting with customers and recommended, quote, cookie nomster, unquote, and, quote, birthday cake, unquote, as the store's best ice cream flavors. Ice cream scoopers at Howdy make the Colorado minimum wage, which is currently $12.56, and shift managers earn slightly more. The store has 11 employees, and there is currently a waiting list of people interested in working there, Kale said. He said the company was, quote, flooded, unquote, with job applications and the amount of interest they received shows the need for more opportunities for people with IDDs. People with IDDs are unemployed at significantly greater rates than the general population. According to a report commissioned by the Special Olympics, fewer than half of working-age people with intellectual disabilities were employed, a rate twice as high as the national average. The American Association on Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities said that this is driven by a lack of support and employer interest, and not the ability or interest of people with IDDs in having meaningful employment. Quote, Historically, the majority of people with IDD have been either unemployed or underemployed despite their ability, desire, and willingness to work in the community. Unquote the association said in a statement on its website. Part of Howdy's mission is to show that people with disabilities can excel in a for-profit business environment, Kale said. Quote, they're capable of a lot for sure, unquote, he said. Troy Knuckles said that many of the employees are dropped off to work by their families, who are reassured by knowing that they are working in a supportive environment where people are looking out for them. He said business has been good so far in the several weeks the store has been open and he hopes that the word will spread about Howdy so that they can expand and hire more people. Quote, we make amazing ice cream but that's what this is really about. Unquote, he said. Police, 16-year-old gunfire suspect shot himself dead after hours-long apartment standoff by the Sentinel, November 4th. 2022. Aurora. An early morning road rage encounter with an off-duty Aurora police officer turned into an hours-long SWAT standoff resulting in a 16-year-old gunfire suspect shooting himself dead, according to Aurora police. The deadly series of events started just after 8 a.m. Thursday while an off-duty Aurora police officer, just off her shift, was in a fast food parking lot at East Mississippi Avenue and Chambers Road. 
The officer, quote, was driving in her personal car in the parking lot after her shift when a red Toyota sedan exiting a drive-thru cut off the officer, unquote. Aurora Police Public Information Officer Joe Moylan said in a statement, quote, the officer honked at the driver of the sedan, unquote. While driving away south on Chambers, the officer said she watched the driver of the sedan drive across opposing lanes of traffic to catch up with her and cut her off. Friday morning, police identified the driver as Jaque Talone Wyrick, 26. He was arrested Thursday and faces charges of attempted first-degree murder of a peace officer. Wyrick pursued the officer west on Mississippi to I-25, police reported. The officer then drove onto southbound I-225, she told police. Quote, while driving south between Mississippi and Iliff, the red sedan pulled up next to the officer's driver's side window, unquote, Moylan said. A front seat passenger rolled down the window, leaned halfway outside of the car, and fired multiple rounds at the officer, unquote. The officer was not injured during the shooting, police said. She called 911 to report the license plate of the red sedan and police traced it to an apartment in the preserve at City Center Apartments, 1098 South Evanston Way. Wyrick was arrested there. Quote, the suspected shooter barricaded himself in a third-story apartment, unquote, police said. Patrol officers tried to contact the suspected shooter, later identified as a 16-year-old boy, but they were unable to persuade him to surrender, Moreland said. At about 10.30 a.m., police fired a large foam, quote, projectile, unquote, against the apartment siding. Quote, shortly thereafter, a sound consistent with a gunshot was heard from inside the apartment, unquote, Moreland said. Aurora Police SWAT teams were called and tried to make contact with the boy for several hours. Quote, at 2.20 p.m., SWAT entered the apartment and discovered the suspect dead from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound, unquote, police said. Police did not identify the driver nor the shooter. The boy's identity will be released later by coroner officials. At about 3.30 p.m., police shut down southbound lanes of I-225 between Mississippi and Iliff Avenues for about an hour to search for gunfire evidence from earlier in the day. Quote, officers recovered several shell casings consistent with the weapon recovered from the apartment, unquote, Moreland said. Police did not say what, if any, charges they would seek against the driver of the car. Aurora becomes a site of intensive effort to pull opioid addicts back from the edge by Karina Julig, Sentinel staff writer, November 3, 2022. As fentanyl overdoses continue to soar in Colorado, a new medication-assisted treatment facility in Aurora is hoping to lower barriers to treatment for people struggling with opioid addiction. Community Medical Services opened its intake facility in Aurora October 28th and is the city's first opioid outpatient center. It will offer medication-assisted treatment and counseling 15 hours a day, 7 days a week to people seeking help for addiction. Based in Arizona, 
CMS has over 50 facilities in 10 states. This is its first location in Colorado, but it hopes to open about half a dozen more over the next several years, Program Manager Christina Baudraux told the Sentinel. The company was drawn to Colorado due to what she described as an overwhelming need for more addiction services. Quote, when we were looking at the overdose rates, Colorado is so incredibly underserved, and so when we saw the opportunity to make an impact, we jumped on it, unquote, she said. According to data compiled by the clinic using 2020 numbers, Baudraux said that in Colorado, four people die every day from an opioid overdose death, a rate that she believes is an undercount from the current situation. Similar to states across the country, Colorado has been grappling for years with a rise in overdose deaths. The Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment reported that 1,881 people died from a drug overdose in 2021, and the age-adjusted rate of fatal overdoses was 31.7 per 100,000 residents up from 1,477 deaths and a rate of 24.9 the previous year. Fentanyl, an ultra-powerful synthetic opioid, which is 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine, has been driving many of the deaths, according to state and federal health officials. The federal government counted more accidental overdose deaths in 2021 alone than it did in the 20-year period from 1979 through 1998. Overdoses in recent years have been many times more frequent than they were during the black tar heroin epidemic that led President Richard Nixon to launch his War on Drugs or during the cocaine crisis in the 1980s. As fentanyl gains attention, mistaken beliefs persist about the drug, how it is trafficked, and why so many people are dying. Experts believe deaths surge not only because the drugs are so powerful, but also because fentanyl is laced into so many other illicit drugs and not because of changes in how many people are using. In the late 2010s, the most recent period for which federal data is available, Deaths were skyrocketing even as the number of people using opioids was dropping. Advocates warned that some of the alarms being sounded by politicians and officials are wrong and potentially dangerous. Among those ideas, that tightening control of the U.S.-Mexico border would stop the flow of the drugs, though experts say the key to reigning in the crisis is reducing drug demand. That fentanyl might turn up in kids' trick-or-treat baskets this Halloween, and that merely touching the drug briefly can be fatal, something that researchers found untrue and that advocates worry can make first responders hesitate about giving life-saving treatment. All three ideas were brought up this month in an online video billed as a pre-Halloween public service announcement from a dozen Republican U.S. Senators. A report this year from a bipartisan federal commission found that fentanyl and similar drugs are being made mostly in labs in Mexico from chemicals shipped primarily from China. With such a deadly drug flooding the streets, providers at CMS say their mission is more important than ever. 
Medication-assisted treatment, commonly abbreviated as MAT, involves treating people addicted to opioids with a substance that inhibits their ability to get high off of opioids and that decreases their craving for the drug. The clinic offers both methadone and suboxone, which must be taken every day in liquid form, as well as Vivitrol, an injectable drug administered every 28 days. Located at 14300 East Exposition Avenue, a short walk from the Aurora Metro Center Station and the Town Center of Aurora, the new facility is specifically designed to be as accessible as possible. It is open from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. seven days a week, operates on a walk-in basis, and has a goal of having wait times of no longer than five minutes. That makes it unique for MAT facilities, which often are only open in the early morning until around noon and don't process people for initial intake appointments every day, Rodraw said. With a medicine that needs to be taken every day to be effective, that can make things difficult for patients, many of whom don't have their own cars or work irregular hours. Quote, the thought is, the second someone's ready for treatment, they can come in, unquote, she said. Unlike some other programs, the clinic is also unique in that it will not stop treating patients if they continue to test positive for drugs and will only kick patients out if they are aggressive or violent. From a public health perspective, Baudraw said it doesn't make sense to cut off people's access to treatment when they are struggling. Quote, there's no treatment if they die, unquote, she said. The clinic currently has 13 staff members, and the methadone and suboxone, which are highly regulated, will be administered by licensed nurses at several window kiosks. Past the kiosks are a series of rooms that will be used for one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions for patients. The rooms are brightly decorated, and the reception area has floor-to-ceiling windows. Michelle Ryan, Community Programs and Integrations Manager for CMS, said the clinic was designed to look as much like a normal doctor's office as possible. A big part of CMS's mission is to reduce the stigma associated with receiving treatment for addiction. Quote, our clients are so judged in the rest of the world. When they come here, we want that to be a respite from that, unquote, she said. The counselors will also provide case management services for patients and will try to connect them with other services they need to try and deal with their addiction. Quote, we always try to have an answer to any barrier someone has, unquote, said Patrick Sullivan, CMS's outreach lead for the new clinic. Sullivan is no stranger to the efficacy of MAT. In college in the late 1990s, he started using heroin and illicit prescription opioids and ultimately became an everyday user dependent on the drug to function and not become sick. Quote, my normal was I had to have the drugs in my system, unquote, he said. He ultimately decided that he needed help but was living in a rural part of Illinois where resources were scarce. He ended up moving to Tucson and started receiving treatment at a CMS clinic. It took about two months on methadone before he stopped using opioids, he said, but he ultimately quit completely and has been clean ever since. 
being on treatment that took away his craving for the drug and allowed him to focus on changing other conditions of his life instead of being trapped in a cycle of constantly trying to make enough money to get high so he didn't become dope sick. He was on methadone for a total of three years. After about two years, he decided he wanted to start planning to quit and worked with a doctor to taper off the medication over the course of 10 months. Quote, I wouldn't have the life I have without it, unquote, he said of the treatment. Sullivan has now worked with CMS for five and a half years and said his personal experience with addiction and recovery has been a benefit when working with patients and potential community partners. The company does a lot of outreach to local jails and hospital systems to try to streamline access to treatment for addicts, and he said being able to address people's questions or concerns about MAT with first-hand knowledge is reassuring. Over time, he said he's seen an increase in the acceptance of MAT, which was initially met with trepidation from some corners due. He worked for a number of years with patients who were in the criminal justice system and said the willingness of sheriffs and judges to allow people to receive MAT has increased over time. Quote, I would talk to police officers who started telling me, we can't arrest our way out of this problem and they're out there on the front lines arresting people, unquote, he said. That sentiment was repeated at a community event organized by Aurora Public Schools over the weekend, where local law enforcement and public health officials raised the red flag about the dangers of fentanyl. Prosecutors in the 17th and 18th judicial districts, which encompass Adams and Arapahoe counties, said that fentanyl has completely infected the local drug supply. Fentanyl is easier to manufacture than other drugs and is highly addictive, which incentivizes drug dealers to add it to their supply. Quote, no drug is safe right now, unquote, said 17th Judicial District Attorney Brian Mason. Quote, do not take any pill unless you know where it's from and it came from a pharmacy, unquote. The department has found fentanyl in everything from meth and heroin to cocaine, he said. Darcy Kofal, who prosecutes drug crimes in the 18th Judicial District, said that fentanyl has completely replaced the supply of illicit oxycodone that used to be on the streets. The U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency has warned that fentanyl is being sold in multicolored pills and powders, sometimes referred to as, quote, rainbow fentanyl, unquote, marketed on social media to teens and young adults. However, experts say fears of fentanyl being marketed to young children are unfounded. Joel Best, an emeritus sociology professor at the University of Delaware, said that idea falls in with a long line of Halloween-related scares. He has examined cases since 1958 and has not found a single instance of a child dying because of something foreign put into Halloween candy, and few instances of that being done at all. Quote, If you give a dose of fentanyl to kids in elementary school, you have an excellent chance of killing them. Unquote. He said, Quote, if you do addict them, what are you going to do? Try to take their lunch money? No one is trying to addict little kids to fentanyl. Unquote. 
Many times, people overdose because they take a pill that they think is an opioid or another prescription drug but is actually fentanyl, Kofal said. Without people knowing exactly what substances they're ingesting, it's incredibly easy to take a fatal dose by accident. Quote, each of these pills are essentially Russian roulette with an overdose, unquote, she said. Kofal referenced a 2020 case where a 16-year-old girl died of an overdose after being given fentanyl by an adult man at a party. Kofal said the girl thought she was taking an oxycodone pill. The man was sentenced to 64 years in prison this summer. Quote, teens are allowed to make mistakes, unquote, she said. Quote, the problem with fentanyl is it doesn't care, unquote. At the Aurora Public Schools event, employees from the Tri-County Health Department handed out Narcan, a drug that can be used to safely reverse opioid overdoses, as well as fentanyl testing strips that can be used to determine whether fentanyl is present in another substance. The best thing people can do to help prevent overdose deaths is to be aware of the dangers of fentanyl and to talk to their children and friends about it, Mason said. He feels better when people who sell deadly drugs are put behind bars, but said that by itself incarceration won't be enough to solve the problem. And it can't bring someone back to life who has already died of an overdose. Quote, Prevention is better than prosecution, unquote, he said. The Associated Press contributed to this report. Portland, Aurora, and other cities pushed to control camping amid growing homeless crisis by Claire Rush, Associated Press, slash Report for America, November 3, 2022, Portland. The tents proliferating on sidewalks in downtown and residential neighborhoods across Portland, Oregon are fueling a debate that's playing out in cities nationwide as the homelessness crisis in the U.S. explodes. Should camping be banned anywhere except in sanctioned sites? Republican-led states, including Texas and Missouri, have passed laws in the past couple years prohibiting street camping while diverting money from affordable housing projects to short-term shelter solutions. Aurora lawmakers continuing to create plans and legislation. Colorado Governor Jared Polis has pledged financial assistance and other state resources to cities and counties in an effort to deal with the problem. For the most part, cities like Denver and Aurora have been loath to evict campers, being accused of endangering lives, especially during extreme hot or cold weather. That's changing. Now, after decades of struggling to tackle homelessness, some progressive West Coast cities are considering similar plans. Portland City Council members will vote Thursday on a proposal to create at least three large designated campsites and ban the rest of the roughly 700 encampments currently scattered across the city. More than 3,000 people are living without shelter in Portland, a 50% jump from 2019, according to the proposal. Quote, the magnitude and the depth of the homelessness crisis in our city is nothing short of a humanitarian catastrophe, unquote, 
Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler said last month when he unveiled the plan. Quote, we need to move our scattered, vulnerable homeless population closer to the services that they need. Unquote. But opponents say the camping restrictions effectively criminalize homelessness and fail to address its root causes. Quote, as visible homelessness has increased, there is also an increase in pressure from the public and from others for elected officials and other folks in positions of authority to address that issue, unquote, said Anne Oliva, CEO of the National Alliance to End Homelessness. Quote, what's starting to happen is that the way to immediately address an issue that is at its core an affordable housing problem is to try and remove public from public view, Unquote. Aurora's plan for homeless people and campers is evolving. Aurora Mayor Mike Kaufman last month offered an outline for addressing homelessness in the city, described as, quote, work first, unquote for the fact that participation in drug treatment, employment programs, and other services will be introduced as conditions for aid beyond emergency shelter and other essentials. The plan adds to earlier legislation sponsored by Kaufman that essentially bans unapproved homeless encampments on city property. That measure allows the city to evict campers with three days notice. The city offers campers some type of group, tent, or shelter accommodation when eviction notices are served. City officials and local homeless activists say, so far, the vast majority of evicted Aurora campers simply move on to new unsanctioned campsites, often in Aurora. Kaufman's new plan includes a central homeless campus for housing and other services, Creating conditions for accessing transitional housing and incentives for using support services. Quantifying the city's success at addressing homelessness based on the number of clients who have achieved self-sufficiency. Consolidating homelessness services into a single navigation center, which the city may wait to build until it secures the help of a private nonprofit. Offering employment services, emergency support, and case management for the homeless, and developing a public communication strategy to educate the public about how the city's program works and how they can support it. Quote, I fully understand that a singular approach will not meet the needs of everyone, such as those suffering from acute mental illness and that other paths must also be recognized as viable, unquote. The mayor said during a meeting last week, quote, but the dominant direction for the city of Aurora will be to focus on getting those experiencing homelessness the care that they need that will enable them to become employed so that they can attain stable housing. This approach is compassionate to those experiencing homelessness and fair to the taxpayers of our city, unquote. Kaufman drafted the plan after he and other council members visited Houston and San Antonio to study those cities' responses to homelessness. When it was presented during a study session last week, he invited other city council members to give input on the plan. Last week, 
Kaufman went into greater detail about the navigation center, which he envisions will be located on a city-owned property near the Aurora Animal Shelter and the intersection of Chambers Road and East 32nd Avenue. Unlike a traditional shelter, Kaufman said the navigation center would be open all day, every day, to homeless clients as long as they were working with case managers and making progress toward securing housing. It would also allow clients to bring partners, pets, and belongings with them, which otherwise turns many people off of the idea of congregate shelter. The mayor said American Rescue Plan Act funds would be used for construction with help from surrounding counties and the state. He said he hoped operating funds would come from individuals, foundations, and government grants and accepted an amendment by Bergen specifying that the campus will be operated by a nonprofit and prohibiting general fund dollars from being used for operations and maintenance. Fellow Aurora City Council conservatives threatened to walk away from Kaufman's quote, work first, unquote, plan after the mayor worked to create consensus by endorsing amended language brought by progressives. Councilmember Juan Marcano last week said he was uncomfortable with putting conditions on aid offered to the homeless. He argued it would lead to the city helping fewer people and those who need help most would be unable or unwilling to meet the demands of Kaufman's plan. Quote, I'm trying to ensure that in any project that we invest public resources and our time and our residents trust in that we're doing everything we can to serve the maximum population possible, unquote, Marcano said. Quote, as we're looking for partnership here with our surrounding jurisdictions, we need to ensure we're not leaving folks out and I would hate for us to lose this opportunity because we're shutting the door on certain segments of the population, unquote. Kaufman supported some of Marcano's amendments, saying he did not think they significantly changed his plan and that he had spoken about them with a representative of the Colorado Springs Rescue Mission, which he described as a model for how the city of Aurora should approach homelessness. Councilmember Francois Bergen and others said they were committed to the original language in Kaufman's proposal that said homeless people must meet certain conditions before receiving more significant help, such as transitional housing. Quote, it does no good to put people in housing that are going to continue to have mental health problems, continue to have drug addiction problems, and never fully realize their life. Unquote. Bergen said. She and Councilmember Danielle Jurinsky threatened to vote, quote, no, unquote, on the plan as a whole if Marcano's amendments were incorporated into the plan. Bergen and Jurinsky said they would not vote for the proposal if the, quote, work first, unquote, philosophy of the plan was eroded by Marcano's amendments, and Kaufman agreed to bring the plan back in November with the amendments that he felt comfortable with worked into the plan. Marcano also said he would return with a competing plan. Besides the camping ban and a new look at assistance programs, 
City Council conservatives have pushed for a local push to persuade residents not to give handouts to homeless people. Banning such donations is unconstitutional, and limiting areas where people can ask for handouts has been troublesome for lawmakers across the country. Camping bans, however problematic, are growing. Denver and Austin, Texas, have also passed ordinances both banning public camping and allowing sanctioned campsites. Denver has opened several quote, safe outdoor spaces unquote, since 2020 where tents, food, and other services are provided. In Austin, the Esperanza community is a sanctioned encampment that serves about 150 people. And is currently constructing 200 individual shelter units. Portland worries soar. Portland's soaring homelessness has become a top concern for the vast majority of residents and has prompted legal action. A group of people with disabilities has sued the city over tents blocking sidewalks and making them inaccessible. Portland's proposal would establish at least three designated sites where camping would be allowed, with an initial capacity to serve about 150 people each. They would have 24 hour management and provide access to services such as food, hygiene, litter collection, and treatment for mental health and substance abuse. Outreach workers would direct people living on the street to the designated camping sites. Those who refuse could be cited, but the citations could be waived if the person takes part in a diversion program that would require mental health or substance abuse treatment in lieu of jail time. The Cicero Institute, which wrote the model legislation that inspired many of the recent camping ban policies, Says creating specific areas where camping is permitted can be a faster solution for cities compared to building affordable housing. Quote, One of the biggest problems that sanctioned camping is trying to address is just the unbelievable difficulty of getting more shovels in the ground to get shelter or other sorts or services available for the homeless. Unquote. Said Judge Glock, the group's senior director of policy and research. Quote, the answer can't possibly be for these cities. Wait two or three decades and we're going to build enough permanent housing. In the meantime, we're going to see tens of thousands of people die out on the streets. Unquote, Glock said. But many homeless advocates say that a quote, housing first unquote, approach is the only way to address the underlying factors that cause homelessness. Quote, rounding people up with nowhere else to go is not only cruel and impractical, but forcing them into giant camps cannot possibly be a culturally competent or equitable situation. Unquote. Mark Guzman. Founder of the food nonprofit Mielsen US PDX said at a contentious Portland City Council meeting last week, quote, If you truly want to end homelessness, the only way forward is with housing first, unquote, said Guzman, who said he previously experienced homelessness himself. Quote, People need love, compassion, and resources to escape a situation of homelessness. Unquote. Sentinel Colorado contributed to this story. 
Cash for Colonoscopies, Colorado Tries to Lower Health Costs Through Incentives by Mark Ian Hallrich, Kaiser Health News, November 2, 2022. State employees in Colorado are being asked to be better consumers when shopping for health care services. And if they choose lower cost and higher quality providers, they could get a check in the mail for a portion of the savings. It's part of an initiative known as the Colorado Purchasing Alliance, through which employers in the state are banding together to negotiate lower prices for health care services. The state government is one of 12 employers that have agreed to join the alliance and will be the first to use the newly negotiated rates and consumer incentives. The goal is to disrupt what's considered a dysfunctional market for healthcare by encouraging employers and employees to make better choices and forcing health systems in the state, which have some of the highest prices and profits in the country, to cut their rates. Since July 1st, state employees have had access to the Healthcare Blue Book, which is an online tool owned by a health data company by the same name that ranks health providers by both costs and quality. Providers in the top 25% for quality are designated in green, the bottom 25% in red, and anyone in between in yellow. The same color scale is used for costs. Quote, if you go to a green-green provider, then we'll send you a check, unquote, said Josh Ben, Director of Employee Benefits Contracts for the Colorado government. The checks can range from less than $50 for something like a mammogram to thousands of dollars for a surgery. In most cases, the money helps offset the employee's co-payments, co-insurance, or deductible. But for preventative services like colonoscopies, which have no copay, it's extra cash in the employee's pocket. The reward program is available only to employees who choose the state's self-funded health plan, which is administered through Cigna, not the Kaiser Permanente option, which has a closed network of providers. Of the nearly 20,000 people, both employees and family members on the signal plan, more than 1,200 used the tool in the first six weeks, conducting 4,500 searches. Quote, we could cut the network to the bone and really limit choice, but part of what I want to do is encourage people to make better decisions, unquote, Ben said. Quote, there are ways to curb healthcare spending without harming employees, unquote. Although it's too early to tell how much the state will save through the program, Healthcare Blue Book estimates that employers save an average of $1,500 every time an enrolled member uses the online tool to choose a provider, quote, and you wind up with fewer complications and sick days, unquote, Ben said. Laramere County in northern Colorado has been using Healthcare Blue Book since 2018 in its incentive program to counteract the high prices it was paying for employees' care under its self-funded plan. With little competition, the local health systems were charging county employees nearly double the prices in Denver, just two hours to the south. Quote, 
We have one particularly dominant healthcare system here that knows they are the system of choice just based on market reputation and they are willing and able to charge accordingly, unquote, said Jennifer Whitener, benefits manager for the county. Whitener recalled one employee who needed a hip replacement and found a freestanding orthopedic surgery center that cost $20,000 less than a hospital-owned facility and had higher quality ratings. Quote, being able to share information in terms of how you can shop for healthcare and that not everyone is charging the same price for everything and, oh, there's actually a difference in qualities depending on where you go, has been eye-opening, unquote, she said. Over the first four years, the county paid out an average of $15,000 in rewards per year. The county calculated that for every $1 it spends to offer Healthcare Blue Book to its employees, it saves $3.50. Andrea Bilderback, a health promotion and outreach specialist with the county, used the tool when deciding where to have a mammogram and a colonoscopy after recently turning 40. She wound up getting a check for $100 for the colonoscopy and $35 for the mammogram, neither of which had any out-of-pocket costs. She and her husband used the funds for a date night a welcome respite for the parents of a one-and-a-half-year-old boy. Quote, it was like free money, unquote, Bilderback said. Such incentives have been used with a varying degrees of success across the country. Self-insured Schools of California, a purchasing alliance that represents 450 school districts in the Golden State, implemented a similar system years ago. Officials compared the prices they paid for five common procedures. Atroscopies, cataract surgeries, colonoscopies, upper GIs, and endoscopies at hospitals versus freestanding surgery centers. They found that surgery centers were generally much cheaper and the care was often rated as better. The group capped the amount of money it would pay hospitals, leaving employees on the hook for any balance. If they went to a surgery center, there would be no cap. For example, arthroscopies were capped at $4,500, so if a hospital charged $6,000, the patient could be billed for the remaining $1,500. But if that patient went to a surgery center, the plan would cover the entire cost, no matter the amount. In the first year, starting October 1, 2018, the new approach had shifted 54% of procedures from high-cost hospitals to lower-cost surgery centers, saving the school districts $3.1 million in health care costs. Quote, if you could pay $25,000 for a car or $75,000 and the only difference was the overhead of the dealership, why would you pay $75,000? said John Stinnison, self-insured schools of California's deputy executive officer. Quote, that's kind of like what we do with medical pricing all the time. Unquote. The Colorado Alliance did a similar analysis of the 10 most frequent outpatient procedures paid for by its employer members. 
Even before negotiating any rates, those employers could cut their costs for those procedures in half by sending employees to surgery centers instead of hospitals. Surgery centers tend to charge less than hospitals for these same procedures, and hospitals often tack on a facility fee that increases costs for consumers and employers. A recent study found that costs for a range of orthopedic surgeries were an average of 26% lower at ambulatory surgery centers than at hospitals. The Cashback Incentive Program is part of a broader effort by the Colorado Alliance to lower health care costs for state employees and 12 other employers, mostly school districts and local governments. But the state employees are what give the Alliance a sizable block of covered lives and greater negotiating power with doctors, hospitals, and other health providers. Robert Smith, head of the Colorado Business Group on Health, which is spearheading the Alliance, believes the Purchasing Alliance model can revolutionize the healthcare market and use the power of the employers to drive down costs. Most companies, he explained, pay premiums to a health plan to cover their employees but allow those health plans to negotiate rates with hospitals, doctors, and other providers. It would be too complicated and time-consuming for most businesses to take on that role themselves. Health purchasing alliances, on the other hand, allow employers to band together and negotiate rates for a much larger group of employees, giving them greater market power to negotiate lower rates. Quote, healthcare outcomes are not related to the price, unquote, Smith said. Quote, you can pay twice as much for some of the worst health care at one facility, and then you can get some of the best health care at half the price at another facility 10 miles away. Unquote. But if employers change the way they buy health care, it could create a competitive market, Smith said. So far, most of the negotiated rates have been limited to providers in the populous Front Range region of Colorado that includes Denver, Fort Collins, and Colorado Springs. The Alliance is trying to sign up providers in other areas, particularly in the western part of the state, but it might take three years or more to fully transition to the new model. Purchasing alliances have been tried in other parts of the country with limited success. A report by the nonprofit Catalyst for Payment Reform found that such alliances often had early success but couldn't survive in part because of the reactions of the large healthcare systems. Those systems often undercut the pricing of purchasing alliances to drive them out of business. So far, Smith has negotiated with freestanding ambulatory surgery centers, imaging facilities, and physician-owned clinics. But he has had little luck getting the larger health systems to play ball. Quote, if it's disruptive enough that it affects their bottom line and they notice it, unquote, said Ben, the state employee benefits director, quote, then, yeah, I think they'll come to the table, unquote.
Arapahoe County Red Cross Providing Shelter to Residents of Apartment Fire by Philip B. Poston, Sentinel Photo Editor, November 4, 2022. Aurora The Arapahoe County Fairgrounds is currently serving as a shelter for people displaced by Thursday's fire at the Club Valencia Condominiums in unincorporated Arapahoe County. By the evening of November 3rd, a total of 86 households had been displaced by the fire. South Metro Fire officials reported on social media that three people were transported to the hospital in connection with the fire and 15 people were evaluated by paramedics. It's not yet clear what caused the fire. An intake center has been set up by the county at the fairgrounds to provide access to aid from the Red Cross as well as the county's Human Services and Community Resources Divisions and will be open Friday through Sunday from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. The county is directing anybody wishing to donate to the victims visit www.arapahoe.gov.com forward slash foundation. County officials are currently working to determine what future services or resources may be needed by the misplaced residents for the more long-term issues that may arise resulting from the fire, including housing navigation tools and pet placement. RTD to be fair-free election day to encourage voting by Karina Julig, Sentinel Staff Writer, October 30th, 2022. Aurora. RTD Transportation Services will be available at zero cost Friday and Election Day as part of an initiative to encourage voter participation in the upcoming general election. Quote, RTD strives to be a strong community partner, and with this socially equitable initiative, the playing field is being leveled so that the constitutional right to vote is accessible to all registered voters through system-wide zero-fare transit. Unquote. RTD CEO Deborah Johnson said at a Thursday news conference, Coloradans can register to vote up through Election Day, but the deadline to receive a mail ballot is October 31st. The deadline to submit a ballot through the mail is October 31st. After that, voters should return ballots through drop boxes or vote in person at a voting center. A list of Dropbox locations and voting centers is available through the Secretary of State's website at GoVoteColorado.gov and through RTD at rtdden.co forward slash vote. RTD services in Aurora was disrupted last month when an R-Line train derailed at the intersection of Sable and Exposition Boulevard on September 21st, the second accident at that location since 2019. RTD spokesperson Marta Sipikai said that an internal investigation into the accident is still ongoing and that R-Line service will not return for over another month. Quote, the investigation is ongoing, but we do know that the service won't resume any earlier than December, unquote, she said. Thank you for joining us for the Arapahoe County News. My name is Pablo.
If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.